welcome to the Digging Six Feet Under podcast, where every week we review each episode of HBO's original television series, Six Feet Under, with your host and licensed funeral director, Victor Rubio. Hello and welcome to the Digging Six Feet Under podcast. I'm your host and licensed funeral director, Victor Rubio. And today we are here to discuss, we're not at the start of season three just yet. We are kind of harking back on an idea that we had with the season two finale. And when I say we, uh, I have David Green with me again. David. Hey there. And at the end of that uh, season two finale, we just kind of just on a whim, just started going off about how it's six feet under fair in 2017. And I don't know, we just kind of try to run with that idea over the weeks that followed uh that episode and we figure i just something as a little intro into season three and just something a fun idea to play around with this is i guess first let me say i try to do like a podcast in between each seasons that's a little bit different than you know just the episode by episode uh podcast and this is just sort of like a introduction promotion uh you know this podcast is free i'm it's a project of mine. I, all I ask of you, the listener, is just promote it for me. If you know someone who likes Six Feet Under or they're into podcasts or interested in the, the field, whatever, spread the word. You know, it's weird podcasting. There's not, you get into it and you think like, oh, it's, it's going to be so huge and everything. And then you're just like, well, you, you, you know, small little following whatnot. So uh, with that being said, you know, please uh, promote, you know, promote the podcast for us. Tell a friend, tell a friend and whatnot. Uh, so I guess for why we are here, like I said, uh, six feet under in 2017, uh, since we last spoke about it, David, I feel like you got a lot more, uh, 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 juice out of the squeeze than I did (laughs) just from just kind of the, we've been talking over the weeks that's, that's, that's passed by. Well, uh, it's kind of my dream in life to be a TV writer. That's mm-hmm. that's something I that's something I really enjoy, and and I think about things like this. You know, like what would this show look like in twenty seventeen? And yeah. uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the concept of an image monkey. It's this idea that you have this little monkey in your head that just goes crazy on an idea. <laughs> and my image monkey has been going nuts about this. Okay, and. You know, I, I don't know how interesting my ideas are going to be, but, you know, it's uh, it's been a fun thing to kind of think about. It's been fun, uh, kind of like we were talking off mic, is that I sort of felt like I was going to the, the same well too many times. Yeah. You know, we, we both kind of reached out to, hey, people, give us your ideas about what you would think. And I didn't get much feedback. I don't know about you. Uh, no, um, not really. Yeah. <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got a few interesting uh, things from people I reached out to, but... The most obvious, the two most obvious ones, right, uh-huh. are the David, he would, I guess in these first few seasons, Dave would be on Grinder to be finding men and not these sort of know, 1900 chat number rooms. kind of things. Yeah, right, right. Because I mean, I don't know if 900 numbers even exist today. And just the idea that Claire would just be this, you know, huge anti Trump, Democrat, feminist. And so on and so yeah. on. I mean, that, that that's like the most obvious place to start. Yeah, I mean, if you're, I, if you're going to do that. Yeah, I mean, I've got some thoughts on on what Claire would be in in 2017. Yeah. and yeah. And it's funny about the David thing is, and then when you start to think about it, it's like, well, David being gay in, in the closet wouldn't be as big of a deal. I, you know, in, in 2017, that would almost work against the show. It'd be weird. Yeah, it, right? it, it like, really why would. Why is 
<laughs> so I mean, right there off the bat, you know, you sort of uh, uh, change it all. I guess I, I tried to make a format of of before we got into the storyline because there's a lot of other stuff that's around six feet under. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I guess a place to start. And and me and David didn't we, we talk here and there of stuff that, you know, we thought the same about and then I, I kept saying, I don't want to know anything because let's get into it when we get into the actual podcast. Yeah, um, I mean we we wanted to sort of approach this sort of separately, kind of fresh. Right, right. So but my, my first my first part to go on is would the show be even called Six Feet Under? Is that I don't know. Is where where my mind went to is it would just be called Mortuary. Uh, but the show has nothing to do with as this. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on! Huge, huge thing here. Uh-huh. This podcast is going to be so spoiler heavy. Oh yeah, we're going to talk about the end. We're going to talk about huge plots. So if you, you know, I, I, I sort of pride the podcast on if you're someone who just picked up Six Feet Under, and you know, and you you want to listen to the podcast, there, there's usually no spoilers. I'm giving you a forewarning now. We are going to spoil everything that happens at the end of the show up to this point. We're at season two, but everything that happens in the show, it's impossible to try and do a podcast like this or an idea like this and not, you know, not talk about what happens at the end. So yeah. if you are someone who, who, who doesn't want to be spoiled and you're right there with us around season three, Turn off, come back later. Um, that's fair warning, right, Dave? Like, yeah, everyone's warned now. Yeah, because that was one of the first things I, I said to Victor. Look, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there, there's did. no way we can do this without spoilers. It's just not going to be possible. So everyone, whoever wants to be spoiled, come back in a later time. Other than that, you've been forewarned for about close to 30 seconds now. Uh, so there. That being said... The show kind of, as it goes on, it goes further and further away from the the, the, the funeral home aspect of it. Yeah. Uh, did you give any le- credence to the idea of it being called Six Feet Under or not? I didn't. Uh, I didn't really even think about that. I mean, I didn't change the title. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I. It didn't even occur to me to change it. My mind went to Mortuary, but then I was like, well, I mean, they, they don't they don't come up with the the names for shows with you know, how it's going to be in its fourth season. You know, it's just kind of, I guess, with the idea or the vibe they get with, with shows. Um, I can see it. I can see it maybe being called Life After Death or something like that. Something like that, right. And, and then again, maybe it's just me here just, okay, I'm going to try and change every aspect of it. And and there's there's an idea to ch- wanting to change everything that I'll get to in later. But uh, I guess let's move on to the, the network it would be on. Mm-hmm. Did you give any idea to that? I think the, the impulse would be to go with something like Netflix or something like that where where people could binge it, but it's something that you said uh, in one of the episodes that we did, you know, for the normal podcast. Is this is a show that's really meant to sit in your head for a week? So, mm-hmm. and I and I'm kind of looking at it the same way in this in this 2017 version. It's something that that I would personally want people to kind of sit with. So, uh, I I just thought HBO. I would I would keep it on HBO. Yeah, my mind went to Netflix too, and it's just it's just showing how big Netflix is getting. You know, Netflix. Here's the thing about that's funny about this. When I was thinking about this, is that there hasn't been a show like this. And what I mean like this, when I say is they use the funeral home aspect. Mm-hmm. There's been dramas and whatnot, but that use the funeral home this in this way because I mean, whatever big shows, there's been a million of copycats that come after it. Yeah. Right. 
But there's not. Been, I don't know. Like I know you always tell me about that show, Transparent, right? Yeah, it, and it, uh-huh. it's it's similar to Six Feet Under in the sense that its central premise is almost secondary to, to just how screwed up the family is. Right, uh, and it's a show that that I've recommended to you several times. Um, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. but I'm saying like like you know the the hook of the show is that it takes place in a funeral home. Yeah, and I guess, I guess you could have the same dynamic where a family's messed up and you could place them anywhere you could place them a a family who owns a local hardware store or whatever yeah but no one has recreated the the funeral home aspect and i'm saying that to say netflix sort of takes big swings with what they put out oh they yeah Uh, they certainly do and and for the most i I guess they have more misses than they have hits right but that doesn't matter because they just they keep taking these large large swings and whatnot Mm -hmm. um but I'm with you on the idea that this needs to settle in for your head for a week. And I mean, first of all, it doesn't even have to be said, right? Television is so much different 17 years later than it was in, in you know, in 2000. Oh yeah, um, I mean, and that's that's mostly due to HBO. And then, and then, and then you had <laughs> yeah. Netflix putting out original stuff and right. and the concept of binge watching. And yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, my my mind went to the Netflix thing first, and then it, it's you're right that it would sort of sort of move back to 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 hbo if we had this ability to 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 do this some something before we get into the storyline of plot is there anything that you had changed you would think would be changed in 2017 i don't know that i mean are we going to talk about the setting now or are we going to wait for yeah let's let's go into the setting uh i would move it out of la and Mm -hmm. i would actually set it in new orleans ah so you, you okay i think uh uh huh well i mean when the when the show was originally conceived of it was Alan Ball and an executive at HBO. I think I think she actually had the original idea, and he ran with it. And it, I think he originally wanted to have it set in New York, but it, but the idea was set it in L.A. where people are perpetually chasing life with <laughs> with fad diets and yoga and plastic surgery, and that's actually right. why it was set in L.A. Mm-hmm. I think setting it in New Orleans, you know, the city of the dead. Would yeah. would actually add a would you know it would give it an older gothic kind of feel, and mm-hmm. and death would just be so much more present. With your, I'm assuming you have some recast of of our main characters, our main players. Yes, uh, I only recast uh, three of the characters, and that's only because I absolutely had to. Because I just feel like I don't know. I'm, I mean, my mind goes to to David because David is so white. <laughs> I feel like can you can you have David in New Orleans? I don't see when you say New Orleans. Like, uh, let me say this: uh, uh, when when TV shows they do their when they create their TV show, as redundant as that sounds, you know they they pick a spot on purpose, right? They're, they're giving you that that they have to they have to take into account everything of the area that we're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just feel like you would. I feel like uh, New Orleans changes the dynamic of the show drastically, and I'm I'm assuming you've taken that into account in your 2017 thing. Well, you know, I, I mostly just thought about the different kinds of things they could do. You know, like a mm-hmm. an authentic jazz funeral and a, yeah. a, a Haitian funeral and things like that. You know, I, I I didn't think about this quite as deeply as I guess you thought I did. Uh, <laughs> So who do you think was the associate producer then? No, I'm joking. I honestly don't remember. I, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm how deep. Um, okay. See, and then and then again, maybe just because HBO. Uh, what's that show? Was it? Uh, what's the one after the hurricane, Katrina? 
There's that oh, New Orleans yeah. show. It was a documentary uh, that was done. No, no, no. Oh, it was an oh, actual oh, oh. show. Uh, I, I, Treme, and yeah, Treme. Please forgive me for the print. Uh, it's Treme. That that you know, I think that only ran two seasons, but that's right in the heart of New Orleans. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I mean, like you said, City of the Dead and whatnot. Um, as as for moving it for me. I think sort of the show's charm is that it does take place in Los Angeles. I, I wasn't creative enough to try and move it out without having to change it drastically, you know? Well, um, yeah, and, and it's, it's one of those things that I thought about as I was, you know, kind of thinking, okay, New Orleans, what would the show look like there? Just, you know, mm-hmm. tonally. Yeah, it, it, it would change part of the genetic makeup of the show, you know, and, it, yeah. and it's one of those things that I kind of wrestled with, you know, am I changing too much by doing this? I, I personally, and again, this is just me and you, we're just throwing ideas at each other. I personally think it changes the dynamic of the show too much because okay. it's sort of like if, if, if I want it to be like, you know, uh, make it in Miami where I am. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you have to start now incorporating everyone has to be Latino. Everyone, you know, there has to be a huge Cuban, you know, there has to be all of that. And you can't have David Fisher, uh, you know, ironically, right, Dexter? Yeah. Um, you know, you, you have to incorporate a lot of that into that. I feel like the Los Angeles, we were able to, at whatever point, grab whatever. But I don't know that much about New Orleans as I may. I think I do, so. Well, I mean, I grew up in the Deep South. I've never actually been to New Orleans. Um, I've mm-hmm. been to Mobile, and I and I... I love everything that I see about New Orleans, you know, the mm-hmm. sort of culture and the just yeah. the liveliness of it and the history and, you know, the big old houses, you know, stuff like that. I mm-hmm. mean, I grew up around a lot of that kind of stuff. Here's something crazy that I just thought about while while you were talking is the idea of sort of doing like true detective for six feet under in <laughs> The first season, the funeral homes of Los Angeles. The second season, it's in New Orleans. The third season, it's in New York City. The the fourth season, it's in the middle of Wisconsin. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, just ma- to change that, show that, you know. Yeah, make it more of an anthology series. You know, kind right. kind of like uh, American Horror Story. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Where it's it's the same premise, but you sort of show different cultures of of America, I guess, right? And if you wanted to go international, shit. But yeah, let's keep it in America. Um, <laughs> Because they, they're, they're just, there's, I mean, speaking from my personal experience, having worked in New York for about 10 years and now being down in Miami for like two years, yeah, it, it's drastically different. The people, the you know, people are people, but the funerals and everything and, and the culture and whatnot, it's, it's different. If I went to the other side of Florida, you know, on the East Coast, uh, I'm sorry, the West Coast, you know, Fort Myers and whatnot, it's different there too, so... Mm-hmm. As I imagine, funeral homes are up by you. You know, it's it's funny. It's just, it's a, it's a culture thing. Yeah. Um, that's funny. Do you anything else before we get into the story and the characters? Or anything other stuff that you had uh, thought about? No, not really. I mean, just thinking about it as a as a place that thinking about it as a story that takes place in New Orleans. You know, I, th- I thought about you know what the funeral home would look like, and and there actually is a specific house in New Orleans that I that I kind of see in my head. And you know, if if you're if you're listening to this and you want to look it up, I already showed Victor. It's called yeah. it's called the Wedding Cake House. And it's just yeah. this big old uh, circa 1890 home on St. Charles Avenue. And yeah, I, I just, I see it taking place there. Yeah, I, I, I'm looking, I'm like going through the pictures right now. And one of them has like a garage to the right or whatever part of the house. And I could just totally see a hearse right there. Yeah. So yeah, I'm with you 100%. If I had, yeah, if I was handpicking my location, yeah. But yeah, that's I mean, funny. other than the getting into the characters and, you know, and that stuff, that's, that's all I have left. Uh, yeah, because I have right before we get actually get into it, because I have uh, you know, would anyone be recast? And then I have the deaths 
you know, the death capsule that we sort of speak of, but how every show starts out with the death. But I guess that being said, I guess we could get into it. The deaths in the beginning, I think we sort of both agreed on it, that it it would be more gruesome. Well, yeah. I guess, let me start here. Would there even be that? Would there have, would there be a death capsule at every episode? I think if you took that away, it actually would change too much. Too much, right? Like now you're just talking, it's, it's like your regular show, but the thing Six Feet Under did that there was almost this mini story before the actual episode starts. Yeah. So I guess we're in agreement that the, the death capsules and whatnot would stay more gruesome. I, 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 when I Go ahead. Yeah, I think that would be like the influence of something like The Walking Dead where, mm-hmm. where like the decomposing zombie bodies are... I mean, what you see on Six Feet Under, it's like I said uh, before, it's, it's, it's completely tame compared to The Walking Dead. And it, even really some other shows like uh, like Hannibal. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, TV's definitely changed. I think it's just more tame to, to today, to today's, you know, 2017. It's just, I think we're getting away with a lot more just because we're, we're, whatever. I mean, we're, we're getting away with a lot more. So it's, it's a lot more, even on like, because that show Hannibal, I was shocked with what they got away with. Oh, yeah. For, for a network drama there is and that first season I only watched the first season but one of the episodes in the middle of that first season is where the bodies were still alive and there was fungus growing on them and oh, yeah mushroom I gagged and I'm a fucking funeral director like <laughs> this is the shit I do and I, I saw some of that I was like I, I can't and there was the episode with the wings with the skin and whatnot and I was like I'm shocked oh yeah I, I don't I don't I don't I don't watch network television because it's too it's too rote it's too like formulaic and and whatnot for me my taste but you know i i, I like the whole cannibal uh, cannibal hannibal character and shocked what they got away with with that show yeah it, and that's nbc so what they what, what they get away with now on hbo right is of course yeah that was uh <laughs> that was nbc i think at 10 9 central so yeah it yeah so you know it, it was after kids were are supposedly in bed but you know still you're, yeah you're, but you're still talking about nbc Right, right. In the end, it's still NBC, depending, you know, whatever time. Um, the idea, though, of... Uh, I don't know how I could say this. Do you think the deaths, the death, the deaths that happen in Six Feet Under, do you think any of it ties into to that, that culture of that time of 2000? Because I'm, I'm thinking of there was... They do have the one where, where the guy, the, the madman, just sort of shoots up his, his office... Um, well, yeah, that, the, I think around that the, time there, there was a rash of, of office workers who and uh, postal workers who just kind uh-huh. of lost it, and that. So I, I get yeah, yeah, go on. and sorry. that and that's you know, that's where they got that, and and um, you know if you really got into it, you could probably come up with other things, you know, like um, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we just had the not well, not just, but recently in our history, we had the sort of bath salts craze, and I could right. and I could see a modern six feet under doing something about that. Yeah, and I, I guess I, I, I where we're at now in 2017, it's almost impossible to not take, and we'll get into it because I know one character specifically, and not take the the political climate into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess God, I hate getting into this area, but would would it be fair to say we're more? Nope, that's not the word either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like trying to tiptoe into how I could say this. Uh, Racial tensions are at its highest it has been post-fucking-1960. Is that something safe to say? I don't know. <laughs> I think that things are... And you know, and I'm saying this as a white guy with all my white guy privilege. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. But yeah, I mean, I think that there's... 
I think that tension has. I think since let's just say uh, probably. It's been on the rise. Yes, we're I, more aware of it today. I'm gonna, and it's not to say we were not aware of it prior, but the tension of it is creeping higher and higher. I think in our lifetime. Can I say that? Yeah, <laughs> I think that, and especially since maybe uh, 2012, like the last five years, mm-hmm. it's it's gotten exponentially worse. And and if you're, I mean, depending on what side you're on, it does open up to conversation, mm-hmm. and something that's that's what they the idea of, of an art form like, you know, like this with television, uh, kind of there to, to spark conversation. I'm saying all that to say, I think that would be a huge running theme in the show. Cause I think that it's so huge today, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, it's part of, uh, what I kind of get into about Claire and how she would be mm-hmm. in 2017. I think she would be the window into a lot of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Before we get into Claire, I have, Oh, I guess. Look at this. I did have more stuff before getting to the show. Let's go here. Uh, okay. Marketing. Marketing this show. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest things of today, you know, they, they there's the social media campaigning shows do. Mm-hmm. And they sort of take over your feeds no matter what you're doing. And even if you're, you know, you choose not to sign up for whatever it is, it's just other people start retweeting or reposting. And, yeah. Um, you know, I hate the. I've said this before. I've said this to you off mic. I've said it on mic. I hate the jokes that come. I don't hate the jokes. I've heard so many of the same jokes from the <laughs> industry. You know, being in the industry. Yeah. That being said, I think the marketing would rely heavily on that. <laughs> you know, I think there would be a lot of that involved. Yeah, I can see some advertising firm that you know hired by HBO to to do that to kind of have the mm-hmm. the funeral director jokes and you know, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. I mean. Uh, I, I can't really get into this too much, but I actually know another funeral director, and he sends along funeral director jokes for me because he knows that I like them. And right, he, right. he hears them all the time, and sometimes I even send them to you, and I usually get a groan yeah. back. And, you know. <laughs> uh, I mean, because, uh, man, after every time a, a, a family I'm serving, and if they are... If it's a death that they are okay with, when I say that, it's someone who's old, died peacefully, or you know, mm-hmm. had a great life, whatnot. There, you know, you there, there's more joking, there's more laughing, whatnot, and almost every. I, I wish I could like make a, a video of a cut where every single time they leave, it's like, well, I hope I don't see you soon. Uh, yeah. You know, no offense, and it's like, oh god, I never heard that. Go kill, you know. Yeah. Um, yep. Funeral directors, last ones to ever let you down. <laughs> right, exactly. <Yeah. laughs> we could go on and on, uh, but I think with, with with let's just say with memes or, or gifts or whatever, I think that that whole that would you know they would start to ramp it up with with the jokes and whatnot with the you know their their social media their their Twitter or their Instagram. Yeah, I can I can um, definitely see that. Also, something I had written down is the intro. The intro for every show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 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 iconic. That, that you know it ties in with the show it's it's sort of one of the first places my mind goes to when I hear the word six feet under my, my mind goes to that clinky clunky intro song you know yeah um, the Thomas Duman score right right I think today it would have been a little bit more simple my, my where, where the, the adjectives I use were simple sleek and chic like I feel like the music would have been tones more than this song that we had or whatever this piece that we have mm-hmm how do you feel about that? One of my favorite opening title sequences right now on TV is for American Gods. And if you okay. if you haven't actually watched that, I, I definitely recommend it. But it's like loud rock music. It's a long title sequence. You know, so the um, 
I think I think for Six Feet Under, I think you're probably right. I think it would be simpler. And I actually made a note about the title sequence. You know, for me, it would again setting it in New Orleans. You would kind of have the the old cemeteries, yeah. and but at the same time, but at the same time, you would have the tree at the end and the crow and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. but yeah, I I definitely think it would be it would be simplified. Yeah, yeah, big time simplified. And I think our intro here is about a minute and change. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of like what all the HBO shows did. Shit, I think it's still like that, right? Because I'm thinking of just Game of Thrones and, and Boardwalk Empire. Yeah, and uh, Orange is the um, New Black. And... Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's just something I, I had. Um, oh, man, it's hard to oh, no, attack Orange this. Orange is New this... Black is uh, Netflix, sorry. Netflix, <laughs> Netflix, right. <laughs> um, let's see here. I have I have three before we get into actual characters. All right, I'll, I'll start with, with something I thought about story, and then we'll just kind of bounce back and forth. Okay. I guess... Part of the first season, and you know, the storyline gets kind of again. If you're listening this far, fucking spoilers, turn it off. Yes, We're spoilers. Going to talk about the end. Um, this story, like you know, the beginning um, where where you know Kroner's taking over and there's big corporation shift. Uh, knowing, I guess, speaking on the, the 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 knowledge of the industry side of it, I think this show. At least with its first few seasons, would there would be a, a drastic shift towards cremation? You know, it'd be like yeah. cremation focused, and the Fishers dealing with that. Uh, the, you know, they, they would be dealing with the corporate growth, mm-hmm. but you know, it like wouldn't literally be walking into their building like like Mitzi. You know, I think it would just be like an, a small aspect of it. But I just think all these things of it would just be, oh, this family wants cremation again going to lower our costs and whatnot you know and i guess dealing with that as opposed to this huge corporate you know well uh whatever knocking at their door well it's something that comes up uh, i think in the last season of six feet under is that they get an opportunity to invest in a in a crematory Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh and i can see in a six feet under in 2017 they would already have done that yeah Um, yeah you know, but again, you know, going back to, you know, I'm kind of looking at this using my concept of, of New Orleans. In mm. my head, this is a family business that has been around as long as the house has been there. So yeah. it's very traditional. It's very set in its ways. And they mm. probably would have, somebody, you know, uh, the David character probably would have had to, had to kick and scream to get Nathaniel to invest in that crematory. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he probably would have been more business-minded yeah. and Nathaniel, yeah. I think with all of this being said, too, and it's kind of where I started thinking about the industry itself was, there is a big corporation, funeral corporation out there. It's the biggest one. They would have, I think they would have almost definitely had a hand in this show, whether it be behind the scenes or, or just, um, I don't want to say ad placement, but just, it would have been involved, you know? Mm-hmm. It would have not... The 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 Kroner Corporation. If you're in the industry, you'd know who they're who they're uh, not reflecting. Whatever the word. Who they're is. based on? Yes, but I think at this point and in this day and age, with with promotion and and, and all of that, I think they would have had a hand in it. It's kind of scary to think about. Yeah. You know, <laughs> an industry. Let's see here. Uh, I, I guess I guess we could get into the themes and whatnot of storylines in the show. <laughs> I'll toss it to you first. What do you have before the characters, I guess? And if they intertwine, then they intertwine. But Yeah, you know, I, I really can't get into that without getting into the changes I would make to the characters themselves. So if you have stuff, you go ahead. Uh, okay, because what I had was just that I, I think 
the show was so let me say this too because there's there's a few times already that i wanted to get into it but i'm waiting for the perfect point i think part of this show and we'll get to it definitely with the finale and the finale montage i think part of this is they caught they had lightning in a bottle yeah I think if you tried to recreate some of this, you just like if I if I wiped Alan Ball's mind <laughs> and I put him back in 2000 and I made him do it again, I don't think he could have made something as great. I just think there's probably just all perfectness, um, you know. The, the yeah, the, the pieces fit so perfectly together, you know. And it's it's like what I said before, you know. It's I was almost kind of afraid to do this because I didn't want to screw it up, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That being said, I feel like in our 2017 age, the show would have had a much bigger mystery behind it that, that would have brought people in as opposed to just kind of the, the, the great interaction between the people and the characters. I, you know, I basically, I don't, I don't think uh, Nathaniel would have died in that first episode. No, I have that. He, he uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, in my version, he would have stayed alive until about the middle of the first season. Interesting. I, I have him at season... I have him as sort of like the the cliffhanger season three ending. Oh, really? That would have been like that season's end. Okay. So sort of like, you know, give him... Because it, it's sort of what you do today in TV shows, right? Like the huge character gets killed off. Uh-huh. You know, I guess Game of Thrones is prop... I, I don't watch Game of Thrones, but Game of Thrones is huge for that. Is any given week, a huge character get thrown off. Oh, yeah. I think th- this show would fit more in the, you know, season by season sh- television that I'm used to. But uh, I, gu- I guess sort of that first season or, or how the show kind of kicks off is that just something of a, a more of a mystery death... Mm-hmm. That somehow plays into like the financials of the funeral home. Someone dies, and you know whatever it is, it, it's hurting or helping their business okay. or whatnot. And less of the David and Nate trying to wrap their minds around a funeral home. You know, yeah. uh, or I guess Nathan- Nate working in uh, the funeral home. I, I guess that was my main thing. Is just that there would be a bigger mystery with the first how the show kicks off okay characters i guess let's start i guess let's start from from the head down um nathaniel do you have anything there uh yeah like i said i would have him live until about the middle of the first season and the way i see it his death would come out of nowhere at the end of an episode Uh breaking the sort of death capsule thing Mm -hmm. and they would deal with that leading into the next one Mm -hmm. um you know, and and for me, this gives us a chance to get to know Nathaniel as a living person, because yeah. we only ever see like other than those first few minutes of the pilot, we never see him as a living person. We always see him mm-hmm. through the eyes or memories or or, or or interpretations of someone else. Yeah. So I think it would be great to know what he was actually like. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. I think that's kind. See that idea that that because. Here's the thing. I would have not recast this character. Richard no. Jenkins is great as Nathaniel. Yeah, he's perfect in that role. I think he would have been too too wholesome to only have for a few episodes. Like I, I think he he needed to be there longer. Okay. Because he's probably. I mean, every scene he's in, he's so. I don't know what the word is, but he's just fucking great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if he's mocking someone or he's being he he's he's being the dad a shoulder to cry on whatnot, he's always so great. So just that there is why, you know, I would have kept them kept them alive just a little longer. But yes, 
it's because you would have got to see so much of him. I, you know, it's kind of great that we get to see him as the show goes on and we see little tidbits, whatnot. But I mean, he's mostly in the the mocking. Uh, I guess the, the the voice of death, right? Yeah, it's mainly his his character on the show. I guess Ruth. How do you? What do you have on Ruth? Uh, it's, it's sort of like we kind of we, we kind of got into this a little bit at the end of mm-hmm. our previous episode. She would be on the internet a lot na- nowadays. <laughs> yeah, she would be on I, Facebook I, and Instagram, and uh-huh. she would be on Twitter. And she she's I see her as being the kind of person who would who would accept random friend requests on Facebook <laughs> just because the person seems nice, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah, uh, it's funny. My my first line of my Ruth notes is. I think, like we said on the podcast, totally 100% would be at some point addicted to social media. Oh, yeah. See, I don't have her on internet. I have her addicted to it to the point where, I don't know if, (laughs) basically, you know, leaning on what social media provides in lack of what she's not getting from her her children. Oh, yeah. And I guess Nathaniel, too, right? So, like, it's kind of like you said she would be addicted to that. Did you say something about, like, a farm game? Or remember when oh yeah, uh, Farmville. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, she would send out uh, game requests whether you want them or not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I I definitely think that's something huge, huge she would battle with. Um, but you know, yeah, like literally addicted to it. Uh-huh. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it would give her something that she doesn't get anywhere else. It would uh-huh, give her a, uh-huh. a sense of there's someone else out there listening to me. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But you know, to that, I would actually have her. Still having the affair with Hiram? Yes, yes, yes. Because there, there's yeah. Because her character would have just been constantly needing something that she's not getting at home. I guess. Yeah, and um, and with Nathaniel alive, it would be interesting mm-hmm. to see her trying to get away with it. And right. and does he know? Like when they, mm-hmm. when she comes back from you know you know wherever she's been with Hiram, and she lays down next to Nathaniel and they go to sleep together. You know, does he look over at her and like, yeah, I know, but I, I understand that, you know, I mean, would he even understand? Would he be okay with it even? You know? Yeah, yeah. It's uh-huh. it's it's one of those consequences of having Nathaniel still being alive. And and to that, I actually have her dying during the show's run, oh. which sort of contradicts my, my Nathaniel dying in season three. So I guess I would move up Nathaniel's death and I would have... I guess have her die later in the show because just something about it because she's so God I don't know it's hard it's hard saying this when I don't know all the particulars of her character in the later season in the last season I just thought it would it would have been uh, added to the arc of, of the characters that kind of both their parents die and it's for whatever you want to call six feet under of how real life it is just the idea of sometimes you're fucking both your parents die within a short time frame yeah. you know. Uh, the heartbreak and whatnot. So added to that, I also have, and it's funny because she comes in at the start of season three. I would, let me ask you, would you have recast Ruth? No, because I think Frances Conroy plays her so beautifully. (laughs) And she does. And I don't want to do this to Frances Conroy. I did have her though. Like when I was just sitting there trying to think, would she be recast or not? And it's funny. She shows up at season three. I would have had Catherine O'Hara in, in the Ruth role. I don't think she would have been as, emotional no emotional is the wrong word as, as loving as as ruth plays this character and i'm trying to remember uh, who she was she's uh i know her as the the woman from beetlejuice but she's lisa's boss 
Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, I know I'm doing something there with the redhead thing and whatnot. And well, I don't know. That, that's where my mind went. I guess if, if, if Francis Conroy was tied up in another project, I feel like Catherine O'Hara would, would be the, the next up. But I think I'm doing too much of a redhead thing there. So Yeah, I think, uh, I think Francis Conroy <laughs> stays pretty busy with American Horror Story these days. Oh, I didn't even know she's, still, she's in that. Oh, oh that's yeah. Right, she wow. And she's really good, good in her. it. Good. Uh, let's move to Nate. Uh, what do you have on Nate? I see him largely unchanged. The key difference is instead of coming home in, from Seattle in the pilot, I see him coming home from Los Angeles. And mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. but I still see the sort of food co-op kind of thing mm-hmm. because it, it's it's so who he was in the beginning of the series. You know, he sort of had that crunchy granola kind of thing going. <laughs> yeah, and. And in my mind, he had a he had a booth at the farmer's market at the Grove. It went out of business, and he needed a place to crash for a little while. And that's funny. And so he just he comes home, and it just happens to coincide with Christmas. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, I, I had I had in the finale that we did that he came from Brooklyn, uh-huh. and, and I had him that too. I'd have him a little bit more hipsterish. Okay, hipster hipsterishly, but for the most part, I have his character the same. Just constantly asking what is life and whatnot right and all that shit yeah but i guess i guess it's funny up to this point um well no we're talking spoilers but nate's avm situation Mm -hmm. would it be the same or do you have it as something else because the 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 avm plays to a much larger kind of like six feet under there's two meanings behind it did you have did you move around his avm or, or, or anything like that at all you know, I didn't think about the AVM, but but when you started to talk about Ruth dying in the series, in my head I thought about, uh, and again, spoilers for a different show now, in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, mm-hmm. she comes home and just out of nowhere, her mother is dead on the couch, having had a brain aneurysm. Mm-hmm. I could maybe see Ruth dying that way. Mm-hmm. And it was an, undi- yeah. it was an yeah. undiagnosed brain issue, and she had an aneurysm, and they just find her dead on the floor. Yeah, and that's life, right? Yeah. Like, I could... Later, when I go to the supermarket, I could just get in a car. Like, hey, fucking Nathaniel, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's life. You just That's just how it happens. I, I had his AVM. I think it would be AVM, but I think it would be something a little bit simpler. And it would just simply be like, can- just sort of like Breaking Bad. It would just be cancer. Mm-hmm. Maybe cancer. Maybe they would, I don't know. It, this, I sound so stupid. <laughs> maybe something as simple as heart cancer or, you know, aortic cancer. I don't know. Well, just something a little bit, a little bit dumbed down. Well, I mean, AVM. and even if you were looking for something that that kills suddenly, even is uh, esophageal cancer. That, uh-huh. That's what okay. that's what my dad died of, uh-huh. and he had he had you know pain in his chest, and from the day of his diagnosis to the day he died, it was almost exactly six weeks. So maybe just something like that, and then maybe now that we're in 2017, maybe you're you're, you're biting off too much of the popular Breaking Bad part. But I don't know. I, I just think this AVM thing would have been played somewhat different mm-hmm. too. What exactly? I don't know. But I just think it would have been tinkered with a little bit. I guess we could move to David. Okay. Um, I think it's. I think it's obvious to say that his kind of breakout of of and his character of being gay and behind the you know claws and whatnot and all of that. I don't think it would have. It just would have felt weird in today's day and age. So, what do you do? You still have his character fighting something sexuality-wise? Uh, yes, but not directly. Okay. <laughs> this 
this is probably the biggest change that I make in the series. Mm-hmm. In this version, I actually do a gender flip. Interesting. And I okay. and I make David the the middle sister, and because I needed a name, I named uh, David Danielle. <laughs> yeah. Because because there's no there, there, there's really no female equivalent of David. <laughs> yeah. And my brother's name is yeah. Daniel, so I went with Danielle. And Danielle is an out and proud lesbian. Hmm. And okay. but but the twist is. She's in a relationship with a very deeply closeted bisexual woman. So I flipped the wow. so I flipped the Keith uh-huh. David dynamic. Yeah, big time! Wow. And I, I I'm not really friends with this person, but I know of an out and proud lesbian who mm-hmm. was dating a closeted bisexual woman, and it put a lot of strain on their relationship. Hmm. So I can see, and you know, and bisexuality is still something that's, it's horribly misunderstood and, mm-hmm. and even, uh, marginalized, uh, mm-hmm. even in the LGBT, LGBT community. So mm-hmm. I can see that being an issue that's still relevant in 2017. That's interesting. Wow. My, my mind, I'm just sitting, here thinking, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sitting here thinking of, of that character be, being a woman and it's just like, huh. There's, there's all that. And this is one of the characters that I actually did have to recast, obviously. <laughs> uh, I see June Diane Raphael playing her. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I could... Um, God, she's so funny. Um, I feel like she's too funny for the role. <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I, I can... I, I've never seen her do anything dramatic, I guess that's why. I mostly know her from the podcast, too. So, In my mind, this version of the character is you know, is very professional at work and all that kind of stuff, but at the same time has a razor-sharp wit. Like, it's sort of like when David kind of explodes. Mm -hmm. It would be that same kind of... I don't know. It wouldn't happen as often. Right. But but when it happens, it happens, and it happens big, and you look at this character and you think, (laughs) did that just come out of your mouth? You know? Yeah. (laughs) And I I think June Diane Raphael could, could, could totally do that. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I, I I could see her. Yeah, I mostly know her from Grace and Frankie. Okay, yeah, I know her mostly from just from the the How Did This Get Made podcast. Okay, um, I had see, I have I have two things on this David character. Being that he's obviously he would be comfortable in his sexuality and his environment. Yeah, you know, as we said already, the the stigma wouldn't be there. Yeah, I had something more on the business side where it's hard. It's let me try and flush out this idea. Of he would being that he's a, a funeral home and it's not a funeral home f- just for gay people, right? You're, yeah. you're serving all all religions, all, all communities, all families. I had something where he sort of was sort of getting shunned from the gay community. Like he was he was active in, in the gay community, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I had him sort of being like shunned from the gay community because he didn't sort of uh, uh, placate to them enough. Like, sort of a, he also he also supported other you know he also supported uh the, the the Indian community in Los Angeles whatnot the the whatever the 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 anti you know the anti trump whatever he he just he wasn't he he was a a huge promotional or huge advocate in the community for gay people but not only just for gay people a bunch of other sort of like events. a sort of active but not an activist Yes, yes. And yes, and, and, that, get, yes, and getting some shit for that. 
Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And he's sort of battling that where it's like, you know, I'm I'm gay, but I'm also a businessman. This is my family funeral home. I can't only be, you know, because somewhere in the middle of it, he's, he's part of the gay men's choir. Mm-hmm. I'd feel like there would just sort of be some blowback like, oh, there's... There, there is the guy who's gay when it's convenient, when yeah. it only helps his business. Sort of like battling that. Or, you know, um, even like when he was a deacon at the church, when, you know, it's like, well, this is going to be good for your business. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Some of, you know, some of that going on. I When I did reach out to a few people, I did have one person writing something really, really interesting. And I guess it sort of goes along the same idea of you know, where we're at with, you know, uh, I guess back in 2000, obviously the whole stigma about whatnot uh, of being gay. I had uh, Neil McGarry. He does the uh, the Star Trek podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, God, shit. Uh, nitpicking. Nitpicking the next generation. There you go. Thank you. And I had reached out to him just if, if he had any ideas on it. And... I'm going to read straight from his email because I thought it, it started, I was like, huh, look at that. The, my idea of Six Feet Under being, like I said, uh, the idea of that, this show sort of caught lightning in a bottle. And I don't think they could recreate this again if they tried. This is though that made me something go, well, look at that. Now I feel like we're back in, oh my God, I think I want to see Six Feet Under 2017. He wrote, Six Feet Under is already pretty progressive, but I su- suppose that in a 2017 version, David could be trans and not gay, having started off as a daughter mm-hmm. and became a son. In 2017, gay rights are pretty well advanced. Not that there isn't more work to do, but trans issues are just coming into the national debate slash dialogue. Yeah. Could be an interesting way to handle the transfer of the business from Nathaniel to Nate and now David. So that's something I, I guess I guess if you're gonna if you're we're gonna like uh you know, place these shape, these characters as shapes, you know, the square goes into the square, circles goes into circle. I guess that's an interesting way to, to have David be David Danielle in 2017 in a business sense. Yeah. I mean, I I can see them doing that in 2017 because, you know, uh, he's absolutely right. You know, trans issues are are very big right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think, I think that's something that made me go, oh, wow. You know, and Along the show, we would see that person, you know, uh, literally transform, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I just thought that that would be something that's something I didn't even cross my mind, to be completely honest, up until I had reached out and someone had said it to me. So, well, I didn't I didn't think about it for for this character, but I I did think about, you know, how uh, trans issues could be addressed in this show and in this time. And Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I didn't really get into it myself because I, this is going to sound so stupid. I wouldn't want to be the writer who di- who did that and screwed it up. Yeah. Because yeah. let me tell you something, you, you, the uh-huh, shit that, uh-huh. that would hit that person. <laughs> well, I mean, how could you, right? I mean, regardless, um, no matter what you do, there's going to be some part of whatever community going to be mad at the way you did it, right? You're never, ever going to please anyone. Yes, I think it would be interesting and challenging to take on that role, but yeah, I'm all right. (laughs) (laughs) Someone else could do it. (laughs) I mean, shit, I definitely shouldn't because I don't... I, I don't know enough about it, but yeah, someone who's knowledgeable enough that that's that's definitely got to be. And I guess they're doing that now, right? With uh, uh, Orange is the New Black, is it one of the characters trans in there? Yeah, uh, Laverne Cox's character. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, 
the the character as well as the actress is uh, is trans. And uh, from what I know, she's exploded like it's, oh, yeah. it's been, and they've been huge advocates in the LGBTQ community, right? I don't know. I'm kind of just going from what I know. Have you ever actually watched uh, Orange Is the New Black? I watched like the first eight episodes. Okay, and it was too much for for it was yeah. I watched. Well, it. what I think is kind of interesting Some... is Laverne Cox's actual twin brother played the male version of that character. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So that was I think that was really cool. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so it's interesting to see the David character. You know, we kind of have three different prongs of what he would be. Yeah. Um, I guess I guess since we're here, did you have anything on Keith? Before we get move on to the other Fisher. Well, n- not that I didn't kind of get into just a little bit there. That mm-hmm. he would sort of be the new David. He would. Yeah, yeah. He would be a closeted bisexual woman, woman, and mm-hmm. would be kind of where David is, you know, in two thousand two. You sort of afraid to to be out and to, you mm-hmm. know, that kind of thing. And I did actually recast this character as uh, Aisha Tyler. <laughs> Right, right, yeah, because she, she would now be... Yeah, that's interesting. That's funny. Uh, you see, now, now we're splitting here because now <laughs> you, have, you, have, you just have a whole character as, as a different gender, which, you know, it, uh, breaks everything. I guess, I guess part of what I... In the Keith, the Keith idea, if I'm keeping Keith the same way, I, I guess I would have Keith... And again, this is, where, this is where I started telling myself, I think you're going to the same well too many times. Mm-hmm. I had Keith somewhat involved in the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm-hmm. It would be part of you know the storyline, the theme. Yeah. The idea of the later seasons where they are adopting, mm-hmm. I don't think that would be... I don't want to sound that the, the, the gay community is in the free and in the clear and whatnot, but, but the, even the idea that marriage isn't as... Again, when I say this, I hope you're not, you know, I hope I don't get attacked by anyone. <laughs> it's not as big as, it's not a big of an issue anymore, right? Like, we're all allowed now to be completely miserable and have someone to spend the rest of our lives <laughs> with, right? Like, it's not just straight people anymore. So, I just don't know what they go through as a couple. It's sort of, it was, you know, it, it, it's not as challenging anymore. It's not as, uh, what's the word when something's interesting and it goes back and forth? Um it's not as captivating. Yeah, their their storyline. So you know, I, I think I think their their whole entire storyline gets rerouted. Well, it's sort of like when I'm watching Queer as Folk. So many of the issues that that those characters go through in that in that series, it's just not. It, it's definitely a show that takes place in its own time, as mm-hmm. far as all that as far as all that kind of stuff goes. Now you know, I mean, we have. We have a, a political party here in the U.S. now that's that wants to take away marriage equality. So mm-hmm, you know, I guess mm-hmm. you could look at you could you could twist it like that, and mm-hmm, having mm-hmm. you know this battle that you fought and won now mm-hmm. now oh shit we have to refight that battle you know yeah but at least the voice if this is any any whatever the voice I'm getting into political and doesn't even need to matter Rico mm-hmm. do you have now we, this is my huge first. Oh, we miss Claire. Yeah, we miss, we miss right. Claire. All I really have on her is she would, kind of like I said, and how I had just found out, she would just be a, a Democrat, feminist, anti-Trump. And, I, you know, the, of the comments I did get back is, is that's kind of how she was as the show ended. Mm-hmm. Obviously not anti-Trump. But, yeah, I guess how her, I guess where her character left off in the show at, at the finale, it would just be that a little bit more intense. Okay. Uh, 
Claire actually is another of my really big changes. Just as with David, I see this as another gender flip opportunity. Mm-hmm. And Kyle Fisher now is the younger... <laughs> he's, he's a whiny, self-absorbed millennial. Uh, he was he was definitely a Bernie bro. Uh, probably voted for Jill Stein in protest. <laughs> uh-huh. And I see, and I see this character. Uh, he's got a podcast where, <laughs> <laughs> and God. and runs it out of the attic in the house, and is interested uh-huh. in media, and. Mm-hmm. Acts like he's got a hundred million listeners when really he only has like four or five, you know, uh, <laughs> goes to all the marches, definitely went to like the women's March and the black lives matter and probably even went to occupy wall street and you know, yeah. <laughs> and that's funny. And the arc for that character, it, it, it wouldn't be about art. It would be about media and broadcasting and, Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. at the end of the series, gets in the car the same way Claire does, headed for New York to get some job at like some major cable news network. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I see the the overall arc for that character. That's funny. Yeah, I I um I didn't. I guess I guess that's that's one of the things we did talk about because I did say that at some point he would be eating avocado toast. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, With that ridiculous asparagus water that Whole Foods sells. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I guess that that's that's a that's a, a a funny and interesting flip flop of the character. I I didn't have I had her. Yeah, it sounds like you definitely changed the dynamics of the show more than I did. I feel like. And again, I always struggle with this word. I can't think of the what the word is. What I changed as compared to what you changed. Um, I guess I, I the little intricacies of the show, mm-hmm. as, as you know, compared to you. Um, but that's funny though, because you know you're talking about. I have just six feet under, almost basically rebooted. You have it, you know, uh, under feet six, almost. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it, it's it's flipped. And no, that, that's funny. That's interesting. Um, I guess where my biggest changes is Rico. Okay. I had being at this now that we're 2017 and. Say what you want about the show. It is pretty white, the show. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have one main black character, but he sort of, I don't know. I don't want to say he hits the same note as the seasons go on, but he doesn't play into the big picture, really, right? I guess the adoption, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I'd have the Rico character simply being black. Okay. Because besides the two episodes, does Rico being Puerto Rican even play into the plot at all? Not like, not that I can remember, no. Right, and I guess that's sort of like the uh, the Los Angeles part in it that you need to oh, of the Hispanic you know community over there. But I, I can't remember. I can't recall where him being Hispanic plays into anything besides just two episodes. Yeah, it, it really it comes up in the first season when they're uh, when the yeah, the, with, the yeah uh, when the gang member get, gets mm-hmm, killed mm-hmm. and and really he sort of becomes you know the, the token person of color. In that situation, right. so I don't even think that really counts, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Uh, you could have had anyone in there, so I think just to add some, just to add, just to switch it up, and to have an actual large role and have the show not be completely white, mm-hmm. I would have you know Rico Black. Okay. Um, and that's really all I had on him. Just basically change his 
skin tone. <laughs> well, I, I actually I changed a little bit more about Rico. Uh, uh-huh. In this version, I see Rico as a single father raising Julio by himself. Wow. And okay. I see it going to sort of the theme of life and death. His wife died in childbirth. Wow. As Rico was, or as uh, Julio was being born. You know, I see Ruth was probably the best babysitter on on Earth, <laughs> you know. And uh, <laughs> and in this, it, it, with Nathaniel being alive for longer, I actually see his relationship. I would love to see them both alive at the yeah. same time, you know. That mentoring, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, can I cut in for a second? Sure. Can I cut in for a second? Yeah. I think there definitely would have been a theme of Nathaniel and Rico, him. Uh, we did one of the, uh, was that you did the episode with where we kind of seen how Rico is the only one receptive and treating him like a father, whereas the other ones just kind of pushed him away in that flashback episode? Yeah, did we do that episode Yeah, we, we talked yeah. about that. I think that definitely would have been a theme where Nathaniel and Rico almost have this flirting affair in terms of father and son. Yeah. And I don't mean flirting like they're attracted. I just mean, man, I kind of wish you were my son. And it's like, yeah, I kind of wish you were my father. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think there's. Yeah. Well, I mean, in this version, when Nathaniel stays alive for longer, I see, I can see Rico even being even more devastated at Nathaniel's death than his own children are. Yes. Yes. And then that's like a weird. And it's funny you're saying that because in television, you don't. I, I don't know. I've never seen that play out where. The Fisher, let's have it in your storyline, Nate and Danielle would be like, why are you so upset? And we're not as upset. Yeah. And actually tackle that and deal with it, you know? Yeah. Yes. Anything else on Rico? Just going to his relationship with Nathaniel. You know, I can see them even after work just going to the bar and having a beer and shooting the shit, you know? Yeah. And, yeah um, absolutely. And in this version, I think Rico may have even known about Nathaniel's secret room, you know, and, and, <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah. Maybe even been there, right? Yeah, I mean, he could have even yeah. been there. Yeah. Of the main character, I, I, I as of the main characters, I'm kind of this is kind of where I tailed off. I have one major part to um, to finish with. There is something that I noted, uh, just storylines wise, and this is not something that groundbreaking. But in the end of season four, where we find out Lisa's real killer, mm-hmm. remember like Lisa's brother-in-law. Uh, yeah, and his daughter has a book, and we see that the picture that she has as a bookmark is what she was wearing that day. And Nate puts everything together, and the guy shoots himself. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only little change I had, and it just as I was just pouring over everything, trying to remember everything, um, it just it would have been a random Facebook picture, possibly one that Ruth was showing to someone. Yeah, but just something like she was going, and all of a sudden Nate sees it, and it, or it's shared on his timeline or some shit, and he's. That's where he puts everything together. That's just a little 2017. And again, it's one of those things where it's like, shit, you're going to the same well too many times. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I can see how that would, how you would yeah. go to social media and, you know, and yeah. and it would just be yeah. this random thing that he saw online. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to let you take the range for a bit because I don't have much up until we talk about the finale and the finale montage. Uh, well, I mean, I have stuff about the channel with family. Oh, see, I didn't. Even, I didn't even. I didn't even touch upon there. So yeah, go ahead. Let me. I see them as being uh, in 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 my version of it. They are Southern aristocrats. <laughs> They've got more money than God. They're not psychiatrists anymore, but they're still very highly educated. Uh huh. And I see, <laughs> and I see Billy and Brenda being screwed up, not because of the constant analysis, but just by virtue of being in this family. Mm-hmm. Because you know, I, I can see her parent, their parents being just. Very self-absorbed. They've always got a drink in their hand, you know. 
they've probably got a big house that used to be an old plantation often you know yeah. somewhere in my version of it uh margaret actually wrote the books about the evil nurse and the the siblings right right and it, huh. and it was actually written about billy and brenda <laughs> so and and that to me that that brings it you know sort of closer to home and the resentment about how much these books messed them up when it was yeah. when it was their own mother who wrote them right getting into brenda uh, I see her as mostly unchanged, just as far as wh- who her, who she is. Yeah, I see her not as a massage therapist. I see her as an art dealer. You know, something very kind of cerebral, yeah, sw- swanky. Yeah, swanky oh. and and cerebral, and yeah. you know, even affords her the opportunity to travel because I even see, still see her as a sex addict. So you know, she could fly into New York and have her tryst and do her deal and fly back home and then fly to Chicago and do the same thing and fly to Paris and you know and yeah. and I can even see when she meets Nate him being this guy that she thinks you know I have a really fun life but you know maybe I could change for him yeah but it doesn't work obviously <laughs> she's still Brenda yeah she's still um, Brenda <laughs> that's, that's that's interesting though I mean you're changing the, the, the dynamic of the character slightly but it's still in the same vein of Brenda. Yeah. You know, it's nothing too drastic. Is there still something between her and, I guess, as kind of as the show ends, is there still something between her and, and Billy? Is there still sort of that weirdness? Yeah, that, that weirdness definitely still exists. In these books that Margaret wrote in this version, they're actually Nathaniel and Isabel, I believe, are the, are the characters' names. Yeah. There are significant. Uh, incestuous undertones to those characters in the books and Billy in this version he's also mostly unchanged but he's, mm-hmm. he but he still has the severe bipolar paranoid delusion kind of things he's, he thinks these books are real <laughs> like these are things that actually happened Yeah. so yeah. he loves Brenda in a very unhealthy way <laughs> you know, it, I think in 2017 that kind of ickiness between the two of them, I see it being more more one sided, mm-hmm. but but it being more substantial at least in Billy's mind, right? You know, right. but you know, I see it. I see the same arc happening though. He he gets committed at the end of the first season. He actually turns into sort of a, a normal guy in the second season. You know, and then maybe goes off his meds again later on. <laughs> oh, and uh, in my version of Charlotte Light and Dark, it's uh, it's the 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 final book in the series, in which Isabel actually tries to kill Nathaniel, and that would be the breaking point for Billy at the end of the first season. He thinks that that Brenda is literally trying to kill him because <laughs> he can't see the difference between reality and fantasy. That's interesting. Yeah, that's really. Um... <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I, I guess I guess I I'm, I'm in my head. I could see that on screen where where Billy's reading it and he sort of he puts himself. And I guess that would doubt some of those scenes would be shot right where where Billy is imagining this real world when he's reading the book and whatnot. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he, yeah, he he's taking totally... the, yeah he's taking that world as being a documentary and not a really <laughs> twisted work of fiction by his mother. Yeah, yeah. Just unable to, to, to slice between reality and whatnot. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. 
Any other characters? Any other uh, plot points? The only other character that I wrote about is uh, Vanessa, and that it's uh, she still exists in this version. I don't see her as a nurse. I see her as a kindergarten teacher. <laughs> she and Rico have been best friends since forever, and a, le- yeah. a late night a late night rendezvous results in Augusto, and they actually get married. And because when Vanessa goes off the rails, I think it's in season three. Yeah, they don't really earn that drama because we don't see, no, we don't see no. them as a couple, not not yeah. really. And I think it would be really good to see them as these two old friends who have, have who have had this sort of uh, not not to be used in the show as a plot point, but sort of this will they won't they just between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, one day, you know, they they she gets pregnant, they get married, and we actually see them as a as a loving couple. Before she goes off the rails. <laughs> yeah. You're right. It's unearned yeah. in the show. And I guess this is how you would yeah, make them earn that yeah. earn that craziness that happens between them. Yeah. And it would also... It, it would make it more tragic when Rico starts to cheat on Vanessa when, she's, when she goes off the rails. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because as it is, we're not really invested in them as a couple. Not, not, not really. They're kind of just there. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's... Oh my God! Look what Rico's doing. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, that's pretty much all I have, basically, for everything. Do you have Nate dying at the end? That sort of is the, the, what I started to run into too, and it's just I guess of uh, how expansive we wanted to get is I sort of, and I guess where we're at with the podcast of the first two seasons, just sort of kicking it off, because I mean, who knows where I would have taken. David, who's having trouble financially with the gay community, who knows where this Claire character would have gone if you know I have I basically have Claire, Claire the same at the season five, which that's just would have been her in season one. Claire's arc is coming into that form, so mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of like tailed off in my ideas and just <laughs> you know uh, the idea of doing a, a second part of the podcast where you know, write the fifth season with what you started with. Do you have Nate dying like he does in in this show? Spoilers, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yes, once again, if you've gotten this far <laughs> and you didn't know, um, you know, I can see, yeah, I, I see Nate dying, but, you know, it's like we said earlier, it would be something simpler than this complex brain mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. thing. And you, and, and, uh, going back to what I said about Ruth, that you know they just sort of find her dead on the floor from a brain aneurysm, just out of nowhere. You wouldn't want to do that twice in a row, anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, but yeah, I can I can see something happening to Nate at the end. So that being said, this 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 is going to be the first time I talk about the finale montage, and I don't want to give away too much on it. But would you? I guess sort of the charm. And the the kick of Six Feet on there is this finale montage. Is yeah. that fair to say? Oh, yeah. And and the Sia song that 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 accompanies it. It's sort of something I, I I said in the beginning, and what and again I'll say it here is that I don't even think it's possible for us or the writers again to come up with something better. It's like I said before, if you had wiped their memories, I don't think they would have been able to get this picture perfect finale with where how the music cues up and, and everything. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you ask me, it's the most beautiful six and a half minutes of television ever produced. And that's like the, that's, that's the hook of this show. When, when you try to, when you tell people about it, it's like, no man, that, that finale, that finale scene is just, again, I don't want to talk too much into it because there, there's stuff I do. Want, I want to say for my own, for my own finale. Um, I have 
with the idea that you're not going to catch it again. I had this finale sort of like The Wire, where essentially the Fisher sell to another funeral home and just this idea of that life just goes on. Mm-hmm. And kind of like in that last few episodes, whatnot, it would just be we sort of see that the same things keeps happening, and just this the 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 theme would be life goes on, and the same you know the same old same old is always going to happen. Nothing really changes. Yeah, it's just different people and different technologies and whatnot, but it's going to be the same stuff. Yeah, there was another TV show that that did that, and I'm trying to remember the name of it. Where it was basically. How many times are we going to go down this road and nothing ever really changes? <laughs> and you know, it, it, to, to what you were saying, let's just sell and walk away and, and at least try to salvage our lives. You know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and but but like in that same way, you would see this new family that bought the new Fisher funeral home. They'd start out almost, you know, there'd be cues to kind of our first episode where it's the same thing they're going through. It maybe maybe at this point in the show they're battling ah. Uh, I don't know, high burial rates. And now they invested into cremation, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's just sort of, it's the same thing. And it's, that's sort of how the wire ends is they get this, there's like this five minute montage and you just see it's the same shit just keeps happening. I sort of have that going where it's just, this is not the finale. This is just another point in life, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, it's sort of like the end of uh, desperate housewives where all the characters, they all kind of walk away from each other. And and it's it's actually a really great ending. I, I really yeah. loved it, but but yeah, it's they just sort of walk away from each other in the end. Yeah. Well, it sounds like that wraps up our our six feet under <laughs> two thousand seventeen reboot, remake, rewriting, whatever the hell you want to call it. Uh I guess anything to add to it before we uh finish it off. I'm sure that I will think of something as soon as I stop recording <laughs> and I'll be like, Oh shit, Victor, I didn't say this. <laughs> Uh, I guess let me say here, uh, would you say the theme or the logo of Six Feet Under is the tree? Yes. Yeah. It, would you change that at all? I'm just, I'm throwing stuff at you here. Um, no, the, it's like I said, when we first started talking about all this, the, the, oh, that's right. You'd have it in New Orleans. The, the tree and the, the crow would, de- yeah. would both definitely remain. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of rap. I should have written, this is what I should have written down is just, you know, rapid fire things to change about this show. Yeah. Six feet under. Well, I guess that's it. <laughs> uh, all right, David. Uh, thank you. This was I, this was fun. Um, I did have one. Extra, a lot I of... did have one other thing. Remember? Okay, go ahead. Uh, at the end of the the season two finale, I made yeah. reference to a friend of mine who wrote a book, and uh, he actually heard the episode and. And uh, I, I emailed him and I said, you know, I didn't give you a, a proper plug, but, you know, for this reason, there was a spoiler. And he said, well, you know, you could have given me a plug. So uh, <laughs> the, if you're curious, it's, uh, it, I was referencing the, the final scene where Nate is in the desert. Uh, he comes across the bus and, right. and, a, and a similar kind of scene takes place in my friend's book. And I asked him if there was any connection, folklore, what, what have you. The name of that book is The Unwanted, and it's by Jeffrey Ricker. So, it's actually a, it's a great uh, young adult novel. It has Amazon Warriors, and I really love it. So, I wanted to give him a proper plug. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll even do furthermore, and <laughs> it's, it's 
making me this sound like I'm doing anything extra special. If you are interested, I'm going to have a link it on our uh, the website page for this episode. So and I, maybe just, just toss them a little bit more there. Um, and I, I'll have that link for that there. And I do have a special thanks. My friend uh, Candace Huber, who helped me with my New Orleans awesome. stuff. Awesome. So I, I wanted to give her a shout out too. Yeah. The only, the only person that I got anything that I felt dyna- drastically changed the show was Neil McGarry. And, you know, just that really was interesting. Like I said, he's been on the podcast before and he'll be on for this season. I guess for see, I guess while we're here uh, for season three, I have somewhat new guests, somewhat old guests, and you know, sort of mixing it up. I kind of have most of season three filled out. It's funny. I had someone I started when I first started the podcast. I wrote anyone who, anyone on the internet who had the word six feet under somewhere around in their internet <laughs> hemisphere. I shot them an email and it's funny as I got a few emails backwards like, hey, sorry, I don't check this email often. Uh, and you know, it's like, I'm trying to remember who you are, or whatever. But I have one of the, uh, someone was writing a six feet under blog and she had just checked her email. I'm forgetting blanking out on her name. But anyway, she'll be on she'll be on this season. Uh, I got a few fun guests coming up this season. Uh, next week I have if you guys remember, there is a Six Feet Under podcast called Retrocast. No, Fishercast. My apologies. I had uh, Robin on this season, and I have Moira on, who's actually a physicist. Oh, God. Poor Moira. I'm messing up what her actual... She is a doctor in some sort of realm. And I'm, the reason, the main bite of having her on is she's going to tell me exactly what is Nate's AVM and causes and whatnot um, okay. while reviewing the episode. So... I'm excited to kick off the season with her. David is joining me on one episode this season, or are you on more? Uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm doing 304, and I haven't really picked out another one. You know, you can let me know which ones are available, and maybe one will jump out at me, or, you know. I have, yep, I have you on for four, and okay, we could we could set that up off mic. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're definitely in for four. Uh, four was wanted by other people, and it's funny that you had reserved that so early. And I guess with that being said, uh, David, thank you. This was fun. Yeah, I enjoyed it. And thanks for listening, everyone. And can't wait to talk about season three with you. Thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Digging Six Feet Under podcast. Join us on the next episode as we review each episode of HBO's original television series, Six Feet Under. Please search and subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes under Digging Six Feet Under. The Digging Six Feet Under podcast is in no way affiliated with HBO or Six Feet Under, and the views expressed here are solely that of the hosts. No infringement is intended.